Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Thanks, Rochelle. Um, then it's my pleasure to introduce Reko, Nare. Anya, don't you also want to stand just so that uh, everyone can see Rico's uh, lovely wife as well, Anya, Mrs. Mrs. Nare. <laughs> Thanks, you can sit down. <laughs> Now, Rico, Rico's going to be sharing the word with us. <clears throat> he's, um, he's still a young man, relatively speaking, but um, he, has <laughs> he, he has wisdom beyond his age. And, um, you know, just two things I, I really love about Rico is um, he's such a nice guy. He's so easy to like. I mean, everyone who knows him loves him. He's just such an easy to, to like guy. He's such a, such a likable guy. But he's also such a passionate guy for Jesus. He's so... He's so He's so committed to, to the Lord. I mean, when you watch him worship, when you hear him pray, um, when you have a discussion with him about the things of the Lord, um, you know, even, even though he's jovial and jolly and, and fun, he's very serious about the Lord. And I, and I really appreciate that. So let's, let's really open up our hearts um, this morning. Um, I've been uh, working w- through, w- with uh, Rico through the um, portion of Scripture in, in Colossians 3 that he's going to share. And and, and it's really a powerful portion of Scripture. So I want to um, encourage you to open up your hearts and really receive what the Lord has to say to us through Reco this morning. Father, we just consecrate Reco to you, Lord. We thank you for him, Lord God. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've anointed him, that you've um, spoken to him and to his heart through your word. And, and we pray, Lord, that, um, yeah, that you'll speak to our hearts um, through the same word in Jesus' name. We just bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Henny. Um, good morning, church. Try that again. Good morning, church. Yeah, got to start with power. Thanks. Um, yeah, what a, what a joy it is for me to be able to be here. Um, for those of you that don't know me, as Henny said, uh, my name is Reko, which is short for Reko Pantwe. Uh, Nare, right? Uh, that is my name. Um, also known as Reko, as Henny said, and, and also known by my my brothers and sisters of the fairest skin is Rico. I've been called that before. As well. um, I, I, I roll with it. I bump to it. I bump to it. I don't mind. Um, I, I am a husband of uh, one wife. Um, as, as you can see here. One wife. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Timothy is applauding me for that. I love it. One, one wife. Um, and and that's, that's, that's Anya, my, my beautiful boppy. Um, she, put to, she put together the slide deck that you're about to, to see. She's a She's an amazing designer, and I just want to take a moment to just, yeah, um, just say how blessed I am um, to have her as my wife, um, and just how she's just come around me in this time of preparing. It's been a wild time. When you, uh, in, in our preaching group, we know this, like, when it's, when it's time to prepare to actually preach, like, things just get wild. Your life, <laughs> you know, the, the devil just comes to try and, uh, and stop you from being up here, but I'm here, and uh, a lot of it is because of the Lord and his goodness and uh, my beautiful wife that has supported me. Uh, can, we, can you go back to that slide of, of me and Anya? As I, I, I think it's, it's, I can't leave here without using one of Henny's uh, one-liners, which is, uh, uh, she is the milk, uh, I am the coffee, and together we trust that the Lord will bless us with little cappuccinos. <laughs> cool. Fantastic. Um, it, it, is an, uh, it is an immense privilege that I get to stand up here. Hey, you guys like that there at the back. Um, <laughs> It's an immense privilege that I get to stand here and share 
uh, God's word. It's an opportunity that I don't take lightly. And it's an opportunity that I don't take lightly because of the weight of God's word, um, because of the significance of God's word, and because of the power of God's word. Amen? And we have a small group of Henny wannabes uh, that uh, gather, um, you know, once a month in preaching group. Um, it's called preaching group, and we basically sit with Henny, um, who's our head pastor, and he just guides us around, um, you know, just handling God's word properly. Um, and handling God's word uh, in the context of this, in the context of sharing, and in the context of preaching. And it's when you sit in that context um, that you really um, get to see how blessed we are as a church to have a pastor like Henny. Uh, that's not a paid ad. Rochelle's not giving me a 20 uh, after this. I, 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 really, I really mean this. Um, it, it really is a blessing to have uh, a pastor and a teacher like Henny um, that, that really takes the word of God so seriously and takes um, the word of God in its theological sense seriously, but also in its application seriously. And that's where the power of the word is in our lives. So we're really blessed to have a gifted teacher like Henny. And Henny, thank you so much for guiding me um, through preparing um, this sermon. So you're probably thinking, you know, Reko, you're here, you know, you're, you're now standing here, you've graduated, you know, uh, at, at, at preaching group, you know, Christian level 20, you know, you get to stand here and, 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 get, to, and get to preach to the people. Uh, and, and, and you probably think that, yeah, uh, this man has made it. They're quite the contrary, my friends. Uh, let me give you some background. So there we were in preaching group. And as of course, as it is within preaching group, you've got the really smart, really gifted kids, right, that just get it. You know, Henny's talking about how we move from the exegetical outline into the homiletical outline. And of course, you've got Neil, you've got Rebecca from Santon, uh, you've got my pastor, Louis, wherever he is. They just, they just get it, you know. They just, they're like, mm, mm, they're so good. So good, right? And then you've got the other kids, right? Um, the kids that are just happy to be there. Um, and, and that are just like, you know, just like they, they love the people. They're just happy to be there. They don't know how they made it, but they're like, they were just here. And that, for us, that's, that's me. That's, that's Stefan Lang, whoever knows him from Santon. Of course, that's Mezen, right? The, the clowns just making everybody laugh, you know, they just... So as, as one does... And I'll tell you why this is important. It's not just a silly joke. Um, as, as one does after preaching group, uh, me and Stefan Lang, very serious guys, we are there wrestling physically after pre preaching group. You know, I'm winning. When I go to Santon, I'll tell the truth, but I'm winning, right? So uh, I'm there, I'm winning, uh, and then Henny comes to us, and then he says, I want you to preach uh, on Colossians 3, uh, verse 10 to 14 um, uh, in two weeks' time. So there I am when I stop. And then I look, and I look for Neil, and I'm like, Neil, Henny, Henny wants you to preach. Uh, Henny wants you to preach in two, in two weeks' time. And, and Henny says, no, 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 I'm, I'm speaking to you, Rico. You're going to preach on Colossians. And uh, the fear of the Lord <laughs> just comes and sits on me. <laughs> and, um, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Maybe just carry on with that, that story. Then Stefan Lang is then chuckling next to me saying, ha, you see, pastor, pastor, it's going to be you. And then Henny says, and Stefan Lang, you're going to teach the week after that. And that is, <laughs> that is, that is justice. It is the justice, justice of the Lord. Um, but uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why it's, uh, it's so important. Because uh, I stand here this morning, and I hope that you won't hear my words. I hope that you hear God's word, what God is saying to you. And why I say that is because my words alone have no power to change your life. 
my words alone have no power to impact your life sustainably or, 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 or lastingly. They have no power to change or impact your life. But God's word has the power to change your life. God's word has the power to impact your life in a way that is lasting, in a way that is sustainable. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to get into the word. Yeah, Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to be able to be here, Father. What a joy it is to be able to, to sit together as brothers and sisters around your word. We thank you that your word is living and powerful. We thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through the division between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This morning, we want to hear your word, God, what you say, Lord. We do not want to hear the words of a man. We want to hear the words of God. So we pray that you prepare our hearts this morning, and you'd soften our hearts. Each and every one of us come, Lord, and we pray that there will be no distractions this morning, and that we will be able to receive your word. In Jesus' good and precious and wonderful name. And all of Lord's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. So um, I greet you from uh, uh, an amazing land far, far away uh, known as Santon. Um, for those of you that are joining us for the very first time this morning, uh, we are more than halfway through a series um, of sermons that focuses on Colossians, uh, the gospel in all of life. Um, as has already been mentioned, our mission as a church here in Johannesburg, is to live the gospel, is to love the people, is to obey the Spirit. And if you have your Bibles or your Bible devices with you, I want us to turn to Colossians chapter 3 together, and we will kick off. So this morning, we'll specifically be looking at Colossians chapter 2, or chapter 3, verses 10 to 14, which is all about putting on. But before we do, we want to just do a quick recap um, to all of my friends, to all of my family uh, that are here to support me and all my colleagues uh, and my friends, colleagues who are my friends who are here to support me. Thank you for being here. And uh, I think it's just right that we do a quick recap to put you on board of where we are as a church currently. Um, and we, a good place to start is by looking at uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Uh, Aidan and my pastor, Louis, uh, did an amazing job at uh, just just unwrapping this over the last two weeks, how we are called to put off what we are called to put off and why we are called to put off in Jesus. So this is where we'll start with our recap. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, that is sexual immorality, that is impurity, passion, evil desire, covetedness, which is idolatry. Then we're going to move to uh, verses 8 to 9. But now you must put them all away. That is anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. So Louis, um, two services ago, 
highlighted that God invites us to kill these things, to kill the dead and live alive in Christ. As a quick recap, in Colossians chapter 1, we learn who Jesus is. In Colossians chapter 2, we learn who we are in Christ, that we are dead, but God has made us alive with Christ. And it's important, this, that when we come to Jesus, it's not that, hey, Reko, you are an slightly okay guy, and now you've come to Jesus, now you're an even slightly more okay guy. No, it's Reko, you were dead. And now that you've come to Jesus, you are alive. Do we get that? Yes, yes, we agree with that? Okay, so we, with that understanding, we see that as followers of Jesus, you have died. And now you have a new life in Christ. Jesus is your life. And when he appears, you will appear also with him in glory. It's a beautiful picture. The rest of the chapter take, talks about uh, taking off the old self, which is the old habits and the old practices that are dead and being made new in a new self that is alive in Christ, dead to the worldly, alive to Jesus. And that's easier said than done. Uh, Louis highlighted how the old self sometimes creeps up um, and sometimes comes back. You know, I think the picture that I have, you know, Louis had the picture of, of uh, you know, a tree sprouting out again, that tree that's already been cut, sprouting out again from underneath. I had the picture of like a zombie, like, you know. Um, and, and, and our old self often comes out, those old practices and um, those old uh, ways of thinking and those old habits oftentimes creep back up. And what does Paul say uh, we ought, and how does Paul call us to respond to this? He says in verse 5, put to death. Say it again. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, that is sexual immorality, that is impurity, that is passion, that is evil desire, that, it is, co that is covetedness, which is idolatry. That's a whole different perspective of the list of do's and do nots that is oftentimes held against religion, right? It's just a box-ticking exercise. Paul turns it on its head and gives a completely different perspective. He says that the bad things are still bad, right? We're not escaping that. These bad things are still bad, but we keep away from them, not by rules, right? Um, we kill the part of us that wants to do these bad things. We put to death and we bury it. Why? Paul explains that all of these bad things aren't just wrong. They are idolatry. And what idolatry is, is replacing God with something else. It is cheating on God. If I make it a little bit more personal, I, don't f I, I refuse to flirt with anyone else that is not my wife. Why? It is not because the marriage handbook says I should. Right? It's because I love my wife. And in exactly the same way, we refuse to indulge in these things. Not because the Christian handbook says that we shouldn't do these things. It's because we love God. Do we get that? Does that, does that land a bit? Yeah? Okay. Um, so we put um, the old sinner to death. Our hearts and minds, in order to put the old sinner to death, our hearts and minds need to be set upon something. And Paul calls us to set our minds on Jesus to set our minds on Christ. In verse 9, he says, do not lie to one another. 
seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. Um, Aiden, I don't know if he did this here in, in, in Randburg, but Aiden like, bought somebody else and like, kicked them. No one is going to be kicked. No one's going to be kicked here today, guys. No one's going to be kicked today. As Aiden last week and Louis uh, the week before that highlighted, um, this is what it means to put off in Christ. As they highlighted, this is what it means to put off in Christ. Um, Aiden and Louis spoke about what we put off in Christ, um, how we put off in Christ, and why we put off in Christ. And this morning, we are going to look at what we put on in Christ. Okay, let's get into it. Colossians 9 verse 14, following with me in your Bibles, it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is neither Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This church is the word of the Lord. What we're going to see this morning as as we dig into this scripture is we're going to see what Paul calls us to put on in Christ. We're going to see how Paul calls us to put on in Christ, and we're going to see why Paul calls us to put on in Christ. Um, As you dig into this um, passage, uh, you will see that there are two main themes that sit over and that sit under, homiletical, exegetical, I'm joking, Um, that sit over and that sit under this passage, and that is identity and that is community. Right? So as we read and as we dive into this, let's remember identity and let's remember community in Christ. And this is how we're going to do it. I'm, I'm a very visual uh, person, so this is how we're going to do it. I want us to put our hands out together. Right? How this, our hands, relates to the new practices that we are called to do within Christ. And I want us to point to our heads Put up the slide. Point to our heads. This relates to our new mentality, our mindset, and our perspective, and how that changes when we put on Jesus. And I want us to hold our hearts. Right? This relates to our identity and how our identity changes in Christ. Hands. Let's do it together. Hands. Heads. Hearts. Hearts. Heads, hands, hands, heads, hearts. There you go. Smart, smart, smart church. Okay, so practices, mentality, identity. This is all part of what we put on in Christ. We start off with practices. Let's put our hands out again. Hands. Start off with our practices. Okay, you can put them down. 
what Paul calls us to put on in Christ and how our habits change and our practices change when we take off the old self that has died and put on the new self that is now made alive in Christ. In verse 10, he says, having put on the new self. Other translations say, having put on the new man. And other translations say, having put on your new nature. Then what? Then, having put on, you put on. Turn to your neighbor and say, you put on by putting on. You put on by putting on. Right? You put on by putting on. And what does Paul mean by this? He says, having put on this new nature, now that you put on this new nature, well then, put on these new practices. In verse 12, he says, put on then compassion. Put on their kindness. Put on their humility. Put on their meekness. Put on then forgiveness. Paul is saying, now that you've removed sexual immorality, now that you've removed impurity, lust, evil desires, now that you've removed greed, and now that you are no longer an idolater, a worshiper of the things of this world, now that there is no longer you, he says, now that you have taken these things off and these practices off, you need to replace them. What you remove, you must replace. Can we say that together? What you remove, you must replace. What you remove, you must replace. Otherwise, something else will come and take its place. Right? What you remove, you must replace. Otherwise, something else will come and take its place. And I've got a quick story and an illustration with this. I was uh, at university uh, during a uh, tide of a time uh, in, in South African student politics, uh, which was fees must fall, which then in, in Pretoria then mushroomed into Afrikaans must fall, right? So I was in a hundred-year-old residence, and I was part of the residence committee, and, uh, uh, and, and we then I got charged with putting together this committee of people that were going to come together, and they were going to look at the practices within the residence, and how can we make the practices within the residence more inclusive, right? So put together a couple of guys, it was a guy's residence, so put a together a group of about 12 guys, um, each representing a different culture, a different language, a different ethnicity within South Africa. And of course, I'm Zimbabwean, so I'm going to lead this group, right? Makes sense. Um, so so we, put, we put together this, this group of guys, and one of the first places that we were told we need to look at is the house song, right? The house song, beautiful as it was, was in old Dutch, right? Even the Afrikaans people were like, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> So this house song was in old Dutch, right? And it only made sense if somebody's coming in from the res, a closer guy from the Eastern Cape is coming into the residence, and then we say, this is the song that we sing to unite the residents, and it's a song in old Dutch. Guys would be like, this doesn't unite anything. It doesn't unite anyone, right? So it made sense that where we start, we need to start with the house song, right? Cool, we can agree with that. Um, and we had so much pressure from the outside, right? And political parties and so forth, and pressuring us from the outside to change the house song, that we decide, okay, let's just remove the house song for now. So we stopped singing the house song. People stopped coming to meetings, right? Like just the whole uh, vibe within the res or the whole uh, spirit within the res quickly started to fade away. And what the lesson is there is that when you remove something, you need to be as, act as proactive as you are in removing something. You need to be as proactive in replacing it. Otherwise, there will be either a void or something else, which is, 
which is not the thing itself. If it's not the thing itself, maybe it's something even worse than the thing itself comes and takes its place. I can see people nodding because we've seen that in our lives, right? We can, even if we don't talk about it from a Christian perspective or from a spiritual perspective, even if we say, okay, cool, I want to change my habits, right? If we don't replace it with habits that are godly, if we don't replace it with habits that, that bring glory to God, then something else will come and take its place. And it's most likely going to be habits that are not godly. And it's most likely going to be habits that are not pleasing to the Lord. So the principle here is what we remove, we must replace. Amen? Amen. Okay, cool. So we're moving on. Paul is saying here, now that we've removed sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, now that we are no longer idolaters, um, seeking after and worshipping the things of the world, now that we've put away anger, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language, now that we, no, we don't lie to each other um, and we've stripped off the old sinful nature with its wicked deeds, replace it. Replace it with what? He says replace it with godly habits, with godly, um, uh, godly practices. And these are tender-hearted mercy. These are kindness this is humility, this is gentleness, this is patience. Right? Sticking on, on, on the practices that we put on, uh, he also, later on, verse 13, he says, uh, put on forgiveness. In verse 13, he says, practice forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. John Piper has a, a very beautiful way, if we could go back to the scripture. So I know, guys, I'm bouncing you guys around. Let's go back to the scripture. Um, John Piper has a beautiful way of, of, of pairing these uh, practices together, right? He says then that, um, for example, compassionate hearts, right, relates to kindness. Humility relates to meekness. Patience relates to bearing one, with one another. What I mean by that is compassion in itself, right, is the internal virtue that flows out as kindness, as the practice, right? We get that, right? So because we are compassionate and because we are compassionate towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, that flows out practically as kindness. Because we are humble and we do not think ourselves better than the man or woman next to us and the brother and sister next to us, that flows out as meekness. And because we are patient, understanding how much, how often we require God to be patient with us, that flows out, out as bearing with one another, right? It flows out as forgiving one another. Something that I want to um, just touch on here on, on speaking about forgiveness, we can go back um, to, the, to the slide um, that speaks about forgiveness is that a very great illustration is that forgiveness and holding on to unforgiveness is like holding on to a coal and expecting that that other person is going to get burnt. I'll say it again. Holding on to unforgiveness, in other words, refusing to forgive, is like holding on to a coal, staring at Henny and thinking that Henny is going to be the one that gets burnt. It's not Henny that gets burnt. It's me that gets burnt when I hold on to unforgiveness towards Henny. Right? I think it's a powerful picture. And it encourages me that, you know, as much as God has forgiven me, um, I'm called to forgive others. Lastly, what we put on is we put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I want to um, wait on this because this is such a, a, a beautiful way that Paul then wraps up 
um, this thought. He says, lastly, put on love. And I want to highlight that this is not a weak, superficial love, right? This is not a weak, material love that we are so often, especially here in Joburg, right? Maybe it's just the people in Santon, but that we are so often confronted with. It's not a, it's not a weak, superficial, conditional love. This is a strong love. This is a mighty love. This is the same love that pinned Jesus to the cross and gave him the power to be able to look down at us and say, the very people that were hurting him and, 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 and abusing him and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. It's that kind of love. That's a powerful love, right? Turn to your neighbor and say a powerful love. It's a powerful, powerful love. Um, it's an agape type of love, an unconditional love that Paul calls us to clothe ourselves in. He says, because you have been agape right? Because unconditional love has been shown to you, then guess what? Show unconditional love towards others, right? Because you have been agape agape one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to agape you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm going to agape you. <laughs> okay, cool. So, so this, people are just agaping one another. Hey, when I'm going to agape you. Um, so, so this is what Paul calls us to do, what Paul calls us to do in Christ. He calls us to put on a new nature. He calls us to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. He calls us to put on forgiveness, and he calls us to put on love, an agape love which binds us together or which binds together um, in perfect harmony. So that is the practices, right? Where do we move on to after the practices? The mentality. I mean, it's like you, you heard this, this whole thing <laughs> before this. It's, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> Next is the mentality. What we put on in Christ as far as our mentality. How we put on our mentality in Christ. If it's to truly last. And, and why this image for me is so um, powerful is that the things that we do right, with our hands um, flow so much from the things that we think. Right? Right? The things that we do um, is so much underpinned by how we think, right? our thoughts and our mentality. And for it to be truly lasting, this putting on, then something has to change up here. Something has to change in the way that we think and something has to change in the way that we see ourselves and see one another. Chapter 3 opens with this. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated. I'll say it again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then what? Set your minds. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And we often need reminding of this church, that this is not it, right? This here, you know, this life is not it. We often need reminding that we are pilgrims, that we are on a journey, that we are merely passing by, 
that this is not our home. We often need reminding from ourselves and from one another to seek a better country that is a heavenly one so that God would not be ashamed to be called our God. How do we do this? We do this with a a perspective, a change in our perspective, a gospel-mindedness, as Pastor Henny put it. So let's talk about it. By being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. How do we change our thinking? How do we change our minds? We start by being renewed in the knowledge of our creator, by seeing ourselves as made in the image of God by being renewed in how and what we learn about our creator and becoming more like our creator. And this leans so much on Genesis 1, verse 26 to 28, where God says, let us make man in our image, right? That helps us in the way that we think. That helps us in our perspective. If we know that I'm not made in the image of this world, I'm made in the image of God, and that informs so much of the way that I should think and inform so much of the way and the perspective that I should have knowing that I'm made in the image of God. Genesis carries on. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So you are made in the image of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are made in God's image. Turn to your other neighbor and say, You are made in God's image. You're made in God's image. So if you're made in God's image, then we're then called to renew our minds on this daily. Because the world wants to shape our perspective of ourselves. Just as I was preparing this, even having conversations with Henny, the the picture that I got, and, and, and I trust that this is relevant to one of us, is the picture of a woman that is standing in front of a mirror. And she is seeing herself through the eyes of the world. She is seeing what the world says about her. She is seeing who the world calls her to be, um, who the world calls her to va- what the world calls her to value, and the things that the world calls her to do. And she puts it off. She takes it off. It is unable to stick because her perspective and her mind of who she is in Christ is so set that she is immovable. Amen? This is the perspective and this is the mind that Paul calls us to have in Christ. He says, do not treasure the things that the world treasures. Do not pursue the things that the world pursues. Do not value the things that the world values because this is not your home. And because of that, he calls us to remember and we are reminded to remember that our treasure is where our heart is. So do not invest here, right? Invest in heaven where you are going. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven and have Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of your faith as a picture that you hold in front of you, not the picture of the world or who the world calls you to be, but have Jesus, the one who created you, the lover of your soul in front of you. That's the picture that Paul calls us and that we are encouraged this morning to have in front of us. As we carry on around mentality and around the mindset that we have, um, he also speaks to this. It says here, um, here there is not Greek, here there is not Jew, 
circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. We, we can easily read over this. I remember at the beginning, I so easily read over this, but luckily Henny was right there being, hey, don't easily write over, over that. Um, there's something so powerful here. He says here, and the here that Paul is speaking to, he's speaking to the context of the church. He's saying to the, the church, he's saying to the believers in Colosseum, by extension, he's saying to the believers here in Johannesburg, here in Shofar, Johannesburg, he's saying here there is neither group, there's neither Greek, there is neither Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. And why is this important? It's important because Paul is speaking to all of the things that seek to divide us in this life, right? When he says Greek or Jew, he's speaking to cultural differences because that was the difference between Greek and Jew at the time. It was the difference of culture. When he speaks of circumcised and uncircumcised, he's speaking of religious differences. When he speaks to barbarian or Scythian, he speaks of language differences. When he speaks of slave and free in the context of the time, he is speaking to socioeconomic differences. Culture, religion, language, socioeconomic status. These are the things that seek to divide us. And these are the things that out there the world sets its dividing lines on. Right? Right? Culture, religion, language, socioeconomic status. What Paul says is that if that's out there, that can't be here. Right? If we look around, as, as I was just looking around this morning, like what a beautiful representation of Jesus' church this is. Right? We've got stuff. We're working on stuff. And we'll be working on stuff until Jesus comes. But when you look around, like that's not what I see. I see um, a church that is culturally unified, that is um, unified in faith, that is really unified in language, and that is unified in socioeconomic status. Paul says, Although that is out there, don't allow that to come here. Don't allow that to be the reality that society is divided along these lines. Don't allow that reality to creep into the church because you are united in, in Christ and um, the sameness between us that we get to share is much greater than the difference. Do we get that? The sameness between myself and Pastor Henny, besides the homiletical and the exegetical. Other than that, the sameness between us, which is the most important, which is Christ. That, the sameness, is so much greater than the difference between us. I'm going to keep on leaning on this point because it's such an important point. I'm going to make it personal. If we, and if you're sitting here this morning, and you place your culture, you place your religion, as far as religious practices, um, you pray, place your language, you place your social economic status above Jesus, then you are an idolater. And Paul is calling you to repent. Paul is saying that you will not and you should not place anything um, above Jesus. I am firstly and foremost a Christian. And then I am a black Ndebele Sutu man. I am firstly and foremostly a Christian. Then I am a Ndebele slash Sutu man. Right? Jesus is my first love. And if that makes you uncomfortable, you need to wrestle with that. Jesus is firstly and foremostly your first love. 
even though you and I come from different cultures, in Christ, the sameness between us is much greater than the difference. And that's true of everybody that is in Christ. Next, as far as mentality is concerned, we are called to bear with one another, as verse 13 highlights. And we're sticking here with the theme of unity. You cannot bear with one another if you refuse to embrace community, right? You cannot bear with one another if you turn away from community. Here he's saying, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against you, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And this, my friends, is how we live the gospel, right? It's how we live the gospel, in the way that we forgive. And Paul touching on this, forgiveness, what he is saying and what he is implying is that there will be need for us to forgive one another, right? right? He's saying, he's not assuming that here within the church we're going to live, um, you know, just so comfortably with one another and that everything is going to go so swimmingly well. Uh, and, and I heard, I haven't heard this catchphrase in a long time, but everything is not going to be kumbaya, right? I haven't heard somebody say kumbaya in a long time. But Paul is saying, by Paul mentioning this, but Paul saying that you ought to bear with one another. You ought to make allowance for one another. He is assuming that there will be need for you to bear one with one another. There will be need for you to make allowance with one another. And I'll tell you why I'm saying that this morning. is because in intercession, in what we've been praying, in leading up to the sermon, there's people that need to forgive here in this room, right? And the invitation is here this morning to forgive. God is offering you that opportunity to lay down, to let go of that coal. And when that's difficult, because sometimes it is, let's be honest, sometimes it is very difficult to forgive, then we remember how much we have been forgiven, right? When it is difficult to forgive, we remember how much has been forgiven of us. And you realize that what you forgive in forgiving somebody else pales in comparison to what God has forgiven of you. Right? And you forgiving somebody else that pales in insignificant comparison to what God has forgiven of you. So this is the garment of unity that Paul calls us to clothe ourselves in, gospel-based forgiveness. So who do you need to forgive this morning? And we carry on. We're landing this plane. We land it like this. Why we put on in Christ. This is our hearts. Let's hold our hearts. Right? Because so much of our identity, right, so much of our identity flows into the way that we think, flows into the things that we do. Say it again. So much of the things that we do flows from the things that we think. And so much of the things that we think come from who we are, our identity, and not just only who we are, more importantly, whose we are, right? So identity is so significant in what Paul underpins here, and what is Paul calling us to when he calls us to a new identity in Christ? He says, because the Lord has forgiven you, I'm roping this in again, our identity changes when we realize that we are no longer slaves to sin, that we have been forgiven and set free. And whom the Son sets free is 
whom the sun sets free is? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Our identity changes because Christ is all and in all. Our identity changes when Christ, the hope of glory, takes his rightful place on the throne of our hearts. And lastly, our identity changes when we grapple with the fact that and we realize that we have been chosen. Verse 12 highlights that, that we have been chosen by God. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, he chose us before the foundation of the earth. And that is where we're landing this plane this morning, is the fact that God loves you and that he chose you to be his beloved and that he wants to have a relationship with you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.